Well, we live in, uh, in difficult times, don't we? And interesting times. Uh, many years ago, someone said this, we live in a, a one-floored bungalow. There's no heaven above to look forward to, and there's no hell below to be worried about. And outside this one-floored bungalow, there's a big sign saying, God, keep out. And those are the days we live in. Uh, There's a campaign by Scripps Union across the whole of the UK now, which they call the 95. And their campaign, the 95, refers to the fact that 95% of, of children and young people have no idea about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. 95%. And so the emphasis of Scripture Union now is to seek to reach the 95%. We're in days when things are difficult and where the challenge is, is no different. But interestingly, that's no different really from what happened in Thessalonica. Things are pretty well the same. In fact, uh, the truth of the matter is, in Paul's time, it was his turn. In our time, it's our turn. Nobody else's turn, you and me. That's who God has to be his people now. To tell people we don't live in a one-floored bungalow. Actually, there is a heaven above to look forward to and to be forgiven and drawn into and to see the love of the Lord Jesus. And there's a hell below to be concerned about. Judgment is real. And this passage uh, gives us some helpful ways of looking at uh, this, the way in which Paul worked in Thessalonica. And really it's a reminder of some of the basics and important things that we just need to go back over and say, yeah, okay, maybe I need to recheck myself against that. So the verse I'd like to focus on, but I will be coming back to the whole passage, is verse 8. And verse 8 simply says, So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you had become dear to us. So what is his priority? What is their priority in Thessalonica? Here it is. It's to share, to give, the gospel of God. It's not their gospel notice, and you can go through different verses and see again and again that it's God's gospel. So you look at verse 3. We were bold in our God to speak to you. Sorry, verse 2, the gospel of God. Or, well, the verse we've just looked at, and then you've got it in verse uh, verse 9 and verse 10. We preach to you the gospel of God. So we have a gospel. It's not ours to mess around with. It's been our way to, to, to share that gospel without polluting it, without distorting it, without pretending that some parts are important and other parts aren't. And so it's important to ask yourself, what's your priority as a member in the church, as someone who comes here? What's the priority? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you see there 
what Paul talks about again. And uh, it's helpful because it re-emphasizes uh, what Paul is talking about. Um, verse 3 of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter, three, chapter 15 and verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And if you have your ESV, you'll see of first importance. It says first of all here, but in the ESV it's of first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose the third day according to the scriptures. So there's the priority of first importance is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died. How did he die? Why did he die? For our sins. We're sinners. He's a saviour. He's the rescuer. He comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. He pushes back. He destroys the works of the evil one. But he dies for our sins. And then, again, you've got the, this wonderful thing here. He rose again. So he died and he rose again. But have you noticed what the emphasis is here? According to the scriptures. Again, it's God's message, his words, his truth, according to the scriptures. It's a wonderful thing of first importance underscored. And so the priority for you and for me needs to be this gospel. And what's interesting, of course, is it's rooted in history. He really did live. He did die for our sins. He did rise from the dead. It's rooted in history. And the scriptures, well, they contain things that are unpalatable to many people. Gethsemane, where he sweats drops of blood. The virgin birth. The way in which he bears our sins in his own body on the tree. For many, that's unpalatable, but it's historical, it's true. And it's our priority to share that with others, even to share the judgment that God brings. And these days, judgment is not something that's far from people's eyes, is it really? Put something wrong on Facebook or Twitter or something else and people jump on you, judge you very rapidly. Judgment's not a rare thing. Well, it used to be on a Saturday night, Simon Cowell would come and he would see people singing and then he would pass judgment on them. Things like, was there a mirror in your dressing room? Or, you've just invented a new form of torture. Judgment is something that we see regularly of other people. And our God, the just God, the perfect God, is the one who judges. So here we've got the gospel of God, and the first priority is the sharing of that gospel of God. And interestingly, Paul is saying there, we were delighted to. We were delighted to share the gospel of God. It's our delight to talk to people about the gospel of God. It's our delight to have that as our first, of first importance in our lives. So, that's what they did. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what we did in Thessalonica. The first importance we shared the gospel of God. He died, 
according to the scriptures for our sins. He rose again according to the scriptures. And then you'd have to ask again, what would the Lord Jesus want from us as a priority? Would that fit in? Would he have a slightly different priority? Well, I guess you wouldn't. You maybe think, oh, this is such a straightforward question. I suppose it is. But what, what were the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ? To make disciples of all nations. So here we've got a Lord Jesus whose last words, whose last call, whose last desire, whose last message to his disciples before he disappears from their sight is that they should go out into all the world preach the gospel to all creatures make disciples of all nations so if that's their priority in your own heart and in your own mind what's yours we can get distracted and do lots and lots of different things and they're all many things are so important to us but sometimes we can just be totally distracted Paul's priority here was to to share the gospel of God and how did they share it how did they share it well here's the first thing verse 2 look at how they shared it in verse 2 it says we were bold we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God they were bold they were daring and sometimes we have to be bold and daring. There's a danger that we can become cowardly, slow, miss opportunities. If it's our priority, then we need to pray that God in his kindness would give us boldness. I don't mean stupidity and I don't mean that we do things carelessly or thoughtlessly because we'll fold, find in a minute that's not how, what Paul is talking about. But we do need to be bold. And we have to ask God to give us that grace. How else did they do it? They were bold. Secondly, if you look at verse 7, it says, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Gentle. Nursing mother. Sometimes I hear people sharing the gospel, not in a winsome way, but in a way that's anything but gentle. Anything but like a nursing mother with her children. And you've also got, you've got that contrast, don't you? A loving, gentle, kind, but bold sharing of the gospel versus sometimes aggressive, argumentative, and judgmental in the wrong sense, sharing the gospel. And often we have those two displayed in front of us. But we need to be on that side that says, how did they share it? They were gentle among you winsome and then how else what else did they do well verse 5 says they we never came with words of flattery as you know nor with a pretext for greed God is witness so they weren't there to please men they're there to please God and that needs to be ours doesn't it we need to be bold we need to be gentle and winsome and loving in that sense but we also need to be those people who are seeking to please God who tests our hearts. And then verse 9, how did they share? Verse 9 says, We surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Our toil and hardship. 
being Christians, sharing the gospel, is demanding. And sometimes you get very tired. And sometimes you feel it's very hard. But that's just what we're to be. We're to be laborers in the, in the kingdom of God. Send out laborers into the harvest. It's not a playground, it's a battleground, isn't it? And so we need to be those who have toil and hardship and be prepared to be tired and weary because that's the way it is. And if we reject tiredness and weary, I don't mean that we flog ourselves to death. I'm not saying we have a nervous breakdown. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that sometimes we reject the toil. I've had enough. I've done my bit. I can't do any more. But there's no one else to do it. So who does it? Toil and hardship. It's God's gospel. But we need to be bold. We need to be gentle and winsome from this passage. We need to be people who please God, not men and women. And we need to be those who are prepared to work, toil, and even have hardship. And finally, uh, how did they do it? Well, verse 10 says that they did it with integrity. Your witnesses and God also, how devout, devout, devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. With integrity. What's on the inside is the same as what's on the outside. I don't think and do things inside me that I don't think and do outside of me. There's a consistency. There's an honesty. There's a reality inside and outside. So that's some of the indications of how they did it. So what did they do? They shared the gospel of God. How did they do it? They did it through boldness. They did it through gentleness and winsomeness. They did it pleasing God, not people. They did it through toil and hardship. That's how it's going to be. And they did it through integrity and holiness. And that's a challenge to you and to me, isn't it? to seek to put those things into practice in our own lives. And then the third thing is, why did they give the gospel away? Why did they do? Well, verse 8, the verse that is the focus for us tonight, they say that we, why did they do it? Because you had become dear to us, or because we loved you so much. We need to love lost people we need to care for them genuinely we need to know that the motives of our heart are not because we want gospel fodder but we love people who are lost so they might be found a nursing mother looking after her child I have to admit when I saw my wife Pat with our first child Timothy I was amazed how much love she poured into him wonderfully because she loved me 100% she loved him 100% as well that's 200% then our second kid came along and there's another 100% going there and then the third child there's 400% of love being poured into people it's an amazing love a nursing mother 
with her children. Love. How we need to be those who don't just share the gospel as a dead thing, but rather through a living love of him and love of other people. That's what he's saying. So it was about relationships, not a distant thundering, but a close, loving relationship. And so we need to build those relationships. And again, I'm sure there are many things we all could share and talk together about if we had a chance to dialogue. But then we ask this other question, what else did they give? They gave the gospel of God. They did it in the ways we've talked about. They did it for the reason of love. They did it by, I guess, asking questions and listening rather than just battering people with words. They showed their love by listening, by understanding, by getting to know the people they were trying to share the gospel with. What else did they they give? Well, the passage is very simple. Verse 8, it says, but also our lives as well. Our lives as well. It wasn't just the gospel. They shared their lives. Jesus and his gospel meant everything to them. And for you and for me, that needs to be the challenge we need to take up. That the gospel means everything because we've been rescued through that. We've an eternal hope through the gospel. We have a saviour who stays by us through incredible difficulties and beautiful and wonderful joys, through kindness, through fellowship in his, with his other people. He's with us and he's great. And we want to share our lives with other people. There's a terrible danger for us to be distant from people. Terribly dangerous to sometimes think that we can even appear to be a holier-than-thou group of people. Well, as we reach out into the world, we're those who genuinely love people. And don't protect ourselves against everything that comes towards us, but rather with those who simply want to share the gospel of God with people who need And of course, these days, we need to build those relationships. I don't know if you've, any of you have ever read a book fairly recently published called the, what's it called now, The Compound Effect. Anyone read The Compound Effect? Okay, well I can tell you what's in it. Well, I could, but I can, I, I'll just tell you one thing that's in it. It's a thing called The Magic Penny. The book starts with The Magic Penny. So here's your choice. Here's your magic penny. You can have that. And every day, this penny doubles in value. But you can only have it for a month. That's all. So it's a magic penny, one penny, but you've got it for a month, and it doubles every day. Or you can have two million pounds. There you go. On the spot, that two million pounds is yours. Or you can have the magic penny. So which do you choose? Well, you know that there's something dodgy because you know, I'm asking you the question but the reality is that this magic penny keeps doubling every day 
this two million pounds you've got, you could be spending it left, right and centre and enjoying your two million pounds and this little penny is doubling, 4p, 8p, 16p. By day 25, two million pounds looks virtually nothing. It looks a huge compared to this because it, it's, I don't know, it's maybe about 5,000 pounds by day 25 or so. But day 29 and day 31, the magic penny has become five million pounds and more. Small steps every day make for huge progress. Small steps. And sometimes as Christians we can sort of forget all that. Yet God has said, who is faithful in little will also be faithful in much. Small steps. Reading our Bible every day. Praying every day. Small steps. doesn't have to be five hours. Just praying every day. Just reading the Word every day. And building relationships with other people. Next door neighbours, a bit truculent or difficult. Hello. <laughs> Small step. But don't ignore it. Because if you keep on taking small steps, who knows where they'll take you in the end. Small steps. The compound effect. The effect of godliness. Small steps of kindness. Who knows where it will get you. The danger that we've got is to think, well, that's not going to do anything. How can that relationship do anything? I know of a pastor in South Wales who lives in a multicultural community and uh, what he's done since he's been in the church and he hasn't been there very long but uh, he's been going around the community so he goes and chats to people just conversations just introducing himself not hammering people with the gospel but rather just chatting small steps and yet out of those small steps God in his kindness is beginning to work in ones and twos and that's true for all of us I don't know who are the folk who you know who aren't Christians. Maybe family, maybe neighbours, maybe work colleagues, maybe the golf club or maybe the sewing club or whatever else you, you can join. Or perhaps I think uh, at one time Mark was in the bowling club. That's right. Is he still there? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So there you go. Still not a great bowler, but nevertheless, he's there. And, it, and you say to yourself, well, nothing's happened yet. Well, that magic penny... By, the, by day 27, 28, you're still two million pounds. It would be better than what you've got there with a the magic penny. But it eventually, it hits the jackpot. Small steps, don't give up. Keep on taking the small steps. Keep on doing the things that are right. And interestingly, it works in reverse. Small steps, I don't pray. I don't read the Bible. I don't want to share with anyone because I've only been kicked in the teeth every time I've shared with someone. And I've been praying for my family and they had none of them become Christians. So bit by bit, you stop doing the things that are going to help you. And the compound effect works that way as well. It does damage to you spiritually. It doesn't help you. You don't reach anyone. And the church slowly grinds to a halt and you're pointing your finger at everybody else. But actually, you're part of the problem. And tonight, I just want to encourage you to get back on the road. <laughs> to think, oh, how can I be kind to someone? Can I send them a little note? Can I send them a text? Now, maybe all of you do that all the time. But maybe you don't. 
and a little text, a little card, a little thought, a phone call, whatever it might be, I just want to encourage you to take the small steps. If you believe that this gospel of God will bring rescue to lost people, then why not believe that God can take this compound effect and ultimately who knows where it will lead? It's certainly not your job or my job to say this is a waste of time. Rather, we're following the example of Paul in Thessalonica. We're seeking to those people who take small steps and don't despise them. Trust God in those small steps. So we delight to share the gospel. Sometimes that might be as far as just showing love the love of the Lord Jesus, loving people other people don't love. Other people might have written off in your street and you show them some love. You actually say hello when everybody else would rather throw bricks through their window or whatever it might be. Love. So we're delighted to do that. We, we don't abandon our, ourselves and our hope. We don't hold back. We, we're bold. We take the small step when it's presented to us. We're gentle, we're caring, we're listening, we're showing love. It is more blessed to give than to receive. They don't ever say hello to me. Well, say hello. What does it matter? Take the small steps, show the love, share the gospel in every aspect. Then there's no need for deception. You don't have to suggest the gospel is something different from what it is. Be confident of the gospel. And when you have opportunity to share, share part. You don't have to share all the gospel, but you can talk about different aspects of it. And bit by bit, as you begin doing that, your confidence step by step starts to grow. I don't know if you've seen or if you're going to be showing the videos linked to Passion for Life, but there's some really interesting videos there. One by Greco Tice talking about our journey. It's worth having a look at, just to remind yourself the journey of sharing. And then uh, it's going to be hard work, though. There's going to be times when people, these people whom you seek to show love, they phone you at ridiculous times. You know, just when you're having Sunday dinner or you're about to go to bed. And you think, oh, not now. Well, hang on a minute. We're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There's going to be toil and hardship. Uh, hardly going to bed late, there's hardly a hardship really, but nevertheless... We need to be to welcome the opportunities to build relationships with folk, to give our lives rather than just give our money, to be captured by God's love. It's nothing new, is it? You've heard all this before, but it is a reminder. And then the results, the consequences, well, verse 13 says this, for this reason... We also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as, the, as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. What was the impact? People came to believe. And it's the whole body of Christ seeking to take the small steps, to long to share the gospel of God, and to share our lives as well. If Jesus Christ and be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. 
Nothing. Well, you've heard that many times, C.T. Studd's statement, but it's so important. And listen again to God's word. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus, as though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So, we're encouraging each other, comforting each other, and urging each other to live lives worthy of God who calls us into his kingdom and his glory. We're going to pray in a few moments, but it is that prayer, Lord, give me boldness to take the small steps. And sometimes it's this, the first step that's the hardest one, isn't it? You know, I walked with someone past Langland Bay Beach the other day. I thought, wow, in the summer we walk onto that beach, it's empty, and we run a beach mission. And I, I, it just reminded me, the first step onto that beach when you're on your tod or when you're with a, a small team, it's the hardest thing, isn't it? The first step. But in God's kindness, the first step can lead to who knows what. So I just encourage you to, uh, to listen to what God says. I'll read you the verse again just to focus our minds. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to share, to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to 